Let, I do have a message for us today, and we still have plenty of time, uh, but I did abbreviate it, so we're not going to go too long today. Uh, but we are in the book of Philippians. We've been going through the book of Philippians. I want to stick with that because the theme actually ties in really well with the camp. And, uh, and now it's like, okay, we're getting to the Bible. I see people start yawning and stuff like that. So you've got to hang with me here a little bit. But when you hear the words, moving up, Moving up, what do you think of? Probably think of career, probably think of education, moving up to a new level, maybe moving up in relationships or something like that. In every area of life, every arena, we place an extremely high value on the next level. Moving up. God has an upward call on your life, but it might not look the same as, as the default notions of moving up that we tend to think of. Now, if you haven't been with us, we are going through this book of Philippians as a church. We're currently wrapping up chapter 3, so I'll give you a little bit of background context and what we've been talking about. The Apostle Paul wrote this book, and he wrote it from a prison cell near the end of his time, near the end of his ministry, presumably in Rome, some point probably within a year before he was executed, is what they believe. Paul writes from a prison cell saying that he has a treasure, a prize, something worth living for that is worth losing everything else. And when you talk about moving up, this guy had it all. And it's a bit astonishing and perplexing. In fact, people use this as some of the, the basis for believing in the literal resurrection of Jesus. Because how else could you explain what this man sacrificed if he hadn't actually seen Jesus raised from the dead? That's what he said did it for him. He was raised in the right family. He had a lot of privilege. The right culture, the elite culture, was extremely well educated, became a scholar in the local Greek philosophies and Roman philosophies of the area, as well as an expert in the law, in the Torah, the, the Old Testament of the Bible, of his own people, and the laws and the ways of his own people. He rose up the ladder and became one of the highest people you could ever aspire to be, having everything you'd ever want, all the applause you could ever look for. These are the things we want in life. This is what we want from our job. This is what we look for when we want to be famous. This is what we want. And he said it was all garbage. It was all garbage next to the surpassing worth of something. And that something is knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus more. So that's where we find ourselves. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. And I'll pick it up in verse 12. This is the NIV. It says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. The Greek word is just upward, the upward call of God. That's the title in your, your bulletin. In Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And, on some, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. 
Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is the word of the Lord. How many of you, by a show of hands, at some point in your life, if you're a Christian today, how many of you were impacted in some way through a, a summer camp? Go ahead and raise your hands. Yeah, a lot of people, right? I, I was. I did when I was young. And, and reflecting on the impact that that camp had on my life um, was part of what brought about the discussion of, you know, ACC doing a summer camp three summers ago. But whenever we do something like this, the one thing I also remember is Camp High. Do you remember the camp high? Do you remember the feeling uh, of just, you're, you're like floating on cloud nine with all your friends and you've all had these incredible experiences and you're just riding on this high and then following that camp high, when you come back home, there's kind of a low, isn't there, sometimes? There's, there's kind of a lull. There's a feeling of, of like, man, everything's kind of returning back to normal. Uh, my normal way of life is just sort of resuming. Am I still the same person? Was there really a change in me? You might start to question things. Uh, everybody else just kind of regards you the same as they all did. Now, did I just have a really cool experience and a lot of fun? Um, or did something actually happen here? And that's, that's the question. So wherever you're at, this is what I want you to hear today. There is more for you. There is more for you. There is more of Jesus to know. There is more of Jesus to experience. There is more of this life to have. And sometimes there are those highs and sometimes there are those lows, but God is not done with you yet. Okay, I want you to hear that, and this is true, whether you just encountered Jesus for the first time in your life at camp, or whether you've known him for decades and you feel like your faith is just kind of dried up, like you're just coasting, like you're, you're kind of complacent or apathetic. There is more for you. There's more for all of us, because what Paul is saying is, there's more for me. Who in the Christian faith, ever achieved more than the Apostle Paul? Who in their right mind would think from a prison cell, there's more for me still? And yet he says, I have not already attained my goal. I have not achieved this. I have not arrived yet. And imagine receiving that claim and then saying, yeah, right. You know, you're the Apostle Paul. You probably know Jesus better than almost anyone left alive today. He personally appeared to you. You've experienced miracles and your understanding of the scripture is just unsurpassed. How could you say there's more for you? Or come on, Paul, you're in prison. You know, you've done your time. You put in your time. You, there's, 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 there's no more summer camps in your future, Paul. You know, you know, what more can you really hope for? What more can you really take hold of? Look, man, you fought the good fight. You've had some good times. Why don't you just sit back and rest on your laurels and relax? Retire. 
And then he says it again. And my commentary said it's as though Paul is grabbing his readers by the shoulders and looking in their eyes and saying, no, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Taken hold of what? Taken hold of the prize, the goal. What is the prize? What is the goal? To know Christ, to gain Christ, to be found in Christ, to know the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And next to this prize, Paul says, everything else is worth losing. So is it true or is he just a fanatic? I've struggled with how to communicate the worth of knowing Christ as a real treasure in some convincing way. Because I go through periods in my life where I wonder if I'm really convinced. I think even in the last few months, I just feel like I've been so busy. There's our big family that is just endless amounts of fixing things and cleaning up messes and chaos and showing up for baseball games and everything you can imagine where you just don't feel like you have a handle on your life at all. And sometimes... I feel like God is distant, like he's, like he's not close to me. And it's, it's always fun to preach because you dig in and you feel like this is the time when I feel connected with, with God. But throughout the rest of the week, there are plenty of times where I've struggled with this. So how do you communicate the worth of this treasure? Now, I could try to give you some intellectual standpoint or argument. Or I can just quote points from this passage that we just read on what Paul claims. It's worth losing everything. It's worth more than my own righteousness or goodness. It's power. It's the presence of God. It's a relationship with the one who made you and knows you more than anyone else or anything else in the world. Bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. It's victory over my accuser, over my guilt, over my sin, over my condemnation and shame. It is deliverance from destruction. It's worth more than the cravings of my stomach, of my appetites. It outshines my own glory. It is to be claimed as a citizen of heaven. It is the hope of a future transformation of my very being and even my body. So we can say all that. But to really know this, you have to taste it yourself. You have to taste it and see it. Some of you tasted what it is to know Jesus this weekend. Some of you had it refreshed again for you for, in a new way. But the only way to know the surpassing worth is to be apprehended by it. To be taken hold of by Christ. Paul says, I press on to take hold of that for which I was taken hold of. You see, at some point along the way, as you wrestle with the question of faith, as you wrestle with the question of God, of Christianity, of yourself, your own sin, you come to realize that you are not just pursuing something, you are not just investigating something, but that that something is actually pursuing you, is actually in the process of taking hold of you. He's after you. And his love can still change you. And so because we've been taken hold of by Christ, we now press on to hold, to take hold of that which has taken hold of us. There is still more to know. There is still more to experience. There is still more to accomplish. There is still deeper. There is still stronger. So hear me on this, brothers and sisters. I don't know where you're at right now. 
I don't know about your mountaintop experiences. I don't know what that was. But I do know that some of you are bored. I do know that some of you are tired or complacent. I know that some of you are questioning, why do I go to church in the first place? Why do I even do this whole shindig? Couldn't I just listen to podcasts? Why Why do I get out of bed? Some of you feel distant from God. Some of you wonder, what's the point? Some of you are older and you feel used up like all those experiences are in the past. You've learned all there is to learn, all there is to know, all there is that can be taken hold of. Or maybe you've been incapacitated in some way by an illness or a disability. If Paul, who accomplished so much, took hold of so much, experienced so much, can say from a prison cell, there is still more for me, then there is still more for you too. But the question is, are you waiting just for another camp experience to just happen to you? Or do you press on? How much do you want it? How much are you willing to go after it? Do you feel distant from God or complacent or apathetic? Don't wait or expect God to just drop something in your lap that's going to change all that for you. Don't blame the worship team or the preacher or look at some outside source to take hold of it for you. Press on. What is next for you? What is there for you still in front of you to be taken hold of? Pressing on. Two times he says it. Verse 12 and verse 14. I'm pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Pressing on towards the goal. To win the prize. The same word that is translated persecute in verse 6 is the same word as press on. Paul says, as for zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. The word has two connotations. One is positive. One's kind of negative. It's, it's, it's like uh, Paul says... Excuse me, lost my place here. To pursue like a runner, running to win a prize, but also to pursue and to prosecute, like to persecute. At its core, the word just means to pound at something, to hammer away at something, to go after it relentlessly. Paul says, I was pounding after the church, exerting all my energy to put a stop to the Jesus movement. And then Christ took hold of me. And now I am pounding after the goal, relentlessly, striving with all his energy that he mightily works in me, he says in the book of Colossians. Pressing on. Pressing on. How? He says, but one thing I do, the one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul says there is one thing that matters. The one thing. I take everything in my life and I filter it through the one thing that is most important. Straining towards the goal. It's the only time in the New Testament that that word is ever used. Like an athlete who is zeroed in towards the finish line. He doesn't look left. She doesn't look right. She keeps her eyes on the finish line and strains towards that goal. There's more for me and I'm running for it. They don't 
bank on past victories, experiences, or achievements, or wins that came in the past, but only on what is still in front of them, what they have yet to take hold of. So what is there still before you? What is still before you that is to be taken hold of? What is your next step? Where do you need to redirect your focus towards the one thing? Paul is saying you got to have intensity here. You need intensity. You have to go after it with ferocity. There is an illustration in Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class that we've offered a couple times at ACC. I was able to take it. I don't know if you know who Dave Ramsey is. He does a financial talk on talk radio. Maybe you like him. Maybe you hate him. I don't know. He, people are, are kind of a toss-up on, on him. But there's an incredibly powerful moment on his video where he talks about you do whatever you have to do to be free of debt, to get out of debt. And he draws the illustration of a, of a Discovery Channel video and, uh, and, and, and he uses the word gazelle intensity. Okay, so he picks up this video of this gazelle being chased by a cheetah. And this video starts playing behind him as he starts talking of this cheetah in slow motion going after this gazelle, this gazelle trying to get away from this cheetah. And, and he's, his voice just starts to ramp up and he's like, that thing is coming after you, man. It's going to swallow you up. You got to get away from that. You got to, you know, take that second job. You got to get out. You got to get that debt snowball rolling. You got to go, go, go. And as he's going, you see this, finally you see this gazelle actually get away, just barely narrowly escape the grasp of this cheetah and get away and everyone in the crowd's like yeah you know and they're all cheering they're all on their feet and you'll never if you've ever been through that class you will never forget what gazelle intensity means okay gazelle intensity and I think what Paul wants us to get here is cheetah intensity okay because we're not running from something we're running for something that poor helpless little deer you know no um Oh, you know. <laughs> but Paul is going, you gotta, you gotta have intensity, you gotta go after it because it's not just gonna come to you all the time. Life gets in the way. And then we blame God because we're not on that mountaintop anymore. But what have we been doing? What have we been doing to pursue that which pursued us? That's the question. What's the prize worth? See, we sacrifice for the things that are worth something to us. But where do we get that tenacity? Where do we get that ferocity, that intensity? It really comes through the Bible, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We get it when we realize the intensity and the ferocity by which God has pursued you. Paul says, to win the prize... For which God has called me upwards in Christ Jesus. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And once again, I think Paul is taking his cue from Christ himself. How did Jesus move upwards? How was he exalted as the name above every other name in Philippians chapter 2? The great Jesus poem that we read a few weeks ago. He considered that the prize was so worth sacrificing everything that he didn't consider his equality or status as God something to hold on to or exploit. 
And you are that prize. You are worth it to him to give everything for. Philippians 2, Jesus, having existed as one with God, sharing in equality with God, didn't consider it something to exploit or hold on to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He considered it all as loss next to the prize of apprehending and knowing you and I as his own. The God who made man in his own image found himself in the image of man. He humbled himself Emptying himself of all rights and all privileges, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the most publicly embarrassing, humiliating form of death you can imagine, death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him. He's moved up. And given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Be apprehended by Christ. Be taken hold of by this ferocious love that has apprehended us. Let it take hold of you again. Our striving can only come out of that which has first taken hold of us. We can't do that to earn anything. As we read in our passage, we're striving to live according to what we have already attained, not trying to attain something or earn something. The reason for our striving is radically different than Paul's striving as a Pharisee. It's a response to love, not a means of earning it. I had a teacher named Ken Tooney. Passed away a couple years ago from an aneurysm. He was an incredibly healthy guy. Uh, We loved this teacher when I was in middle school and were incredibly annoyed with him at the same time. We We just gave him such a hard time. But he was this incredible guy. And uh, one day, he was a PE teacher partially, a couple subjects, but one day he transformed the whole gym into this big obstacle course and dressed up as Indiana Jones, but also adorned this ridiculous accent, which I don't get because Indiana Jones didn't have an accent. Well, maybe if you're not, you know, American, he did. Um, But there's a point where there's the climbing rope in the gym, and we had to swing from one platform to another, and everyone's trying to launch themselves off forward to get to that platform, but they couldn't usually make it. And so Mr. Tooney, with his hat and his leather jacket on, says, like, in order to go this way, you have to go this way. In order to go this way, you have to go this way. And everyone's like, what is he talking about? And what he's saying is, if you want to go forward, you have to jump backwards. Okay, Jesus, to go upwards, came downwards. To achieve the prize, sacrificed some things, emptied himself. And if you want the prize, if you want to move upward in your upward call of God, you have to go downwards. You have to empty yourself as a servant. You have to give away some of the priorities that are getting in the way of that prize for you. In order to go this way, you have to go this way. It is an upward call, but it's a call to first go down. In other words, humility. We have to admit we haven't attained this yet. 
We have to realize there's still more for us. Set your gaze not upon the past, Paul says. Don't just look to those mountaintop experiences. Don't just look to everything you once accomplished. Ah, but we've done our time and it's over now. I've experienced all there is to experience. Are you raised from the dead yet? If you are, then that's true. But I don't know anybody who's been raised from the dead yet. So there's still more for you. You haven't reached the goal yet. Don't look upon the past, but on what is still in front of you to take hold of. Make that your one thing. Strain yourself for that one thing. What lies before you? In other words, how can you know him more? Are you dissatisfied with church? Are you bored? You're just kind of coasting? Well, what's the next step in your race? Don't rely on me or some team up here to try to tell you how to get there. Because we don't have all the answers. What's next in your race? Go hard after Jesus. There is more for you. So one example Paul gives of how we can get there is to have godly examples in our lives. He says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Get people close to you who are going after the prize. It's not enough to just have friends and family who appreciate Jesus and their faith and so on. I'm not saying you don't love these people or somehow reject these people, who, but, but if they're just living mostly for their stomachs, for their appetites, if their walk is just a casual walk, you need more than that. If you want more, casual won't do it. Don't wait for the next summer camp. Don't wait for God to just drop it in your lap. Go after it. Get other people in your life who are doing the same thing, who are going after it. Two, go after him in prayer. Grow in your prayer life with Jesus. This is how we connect with him. This is where I need to grow a lot more. I'll just tell you that. I, I pray, sure, but I could grow here big time. Find people who pray and talk to them. Dave Watterson. Is Dave in the house? Where are you, Dave? Raise your hand. I'm going to embarrass you. Where are you at? No. I always way in the back there. Okay. Uh, Dave shows up uh, 8, 8.30, almost every Saturday to just pray at the church here. The reason I know that is because I show up here to try and wrap up the sermon I was working on throughout the week, so it's ready by Sunday. But Dave's here, and he's just praying. He spends an hour, hour and a half praying for you, praying for his own issues, his own friends, his own family, praying for me, praying for the church. He just prays. Linda Madden and Phil Madden, they are incredible prayer warriors. If you need to go to another level in what it is to pray, go find these people and say, can you teach me some things about prayer? Can you show me how to move forward here? So I don't just feel like I'm talking to a wall, okay? Prayer, go for him in prayer. Go after him in his word. Learn to read the Bible. Don't just sit back and rely on the preacher to deliver mountaintop experiences from God's word to you and then evaluate him based on whether or not he scratched your itch. No, you go after Christ through his word. I'll do the best I can, but you gotta go after him because that's where he's found. He's found in his word. And so here's a challenge for you. Master one book of the Bible. Just pick one. You might want to start with a short one. Pick Ephesians. Pick 
Philemon. It's like less than a page long. Dig into it. Figure out who is he writing to? What's it about? What are they trying to say? What was going on in that culture? What do these words mean? You can find all those resources online. What do other pastors say about this? What have people said about this? What are they writing about this? And dig in. Keep a journal of it. Log what you find. Ask God to show you how it applies to your own life. Discover Jesus in some way. Where is the gospel in this? How am I finding him through it? And then in the fall, get six to eight people together, form a small group, and walk people through everything that you just learned. Like those kids at Amplify who are bringing their friends up along with them. Because nothing will cause you to learn more and to grow more than knowing you're going to have to teach something. Okay, so, so do that. Master a book of the Bible with the intent of bringing someone else through it. Just pick one and go after it. There's all kinds of resources. We live in the information age. It's all there for you. There's some dangerous stuff. So if you have questions, come talk to me or somebody, you know. But I'd love to go through that with you. That'd be awesome. Um, dig in. Go after him in worship. Go after him in worship. I find that Getting outside, jogging, listening to worship music works well for me. Pursue him in your worship. Don't look left or right. There is still deeper in worship for you. Don't wait for the worship team to create an experience for you. They are not the Holy Spirit. Don't say, well, I just don't like the style or the way they dress or the singer's voice or whatever. Our worship leaders can always grow. We can always do better, and it is our responsibility to do the best we can to lead people into the presence of God. But it doesn't depend on them to give you an experience. Press on in worship. Go after him in worship regardless. Now, whatever you think about the way church is doing it, you can still take words on the screen and internalize them in your heart and pour them out in praise to God. You don't have to let that be an excuse. You can press on in worship. You know what? You could even raise your hands. You know, you know what's interesting about that? That's not like for wacko Christians. That's the appropriate prayer posture and worship posture of ancient Israelites. Okay, you, I, There's no magic in that. But there's something about being free of what other people will think of me that allows me to press on in worship. So press on in worship. Don't come up with excuses. Dig in. Go after him through serving others. Last one. Christ emptied himself as a servant for you. And now become Christ's pursuit of someone else through service. Some of you got a taste of what that is like to pursue Christ through service as you served at camp this week. God still has more in store for you. And none of this is about demanding more of you. Oh man, I just feel so guilty because I got to add more. I got to try harder. No, God has more for you. He wants to pour out into you. He wants to bless you. But if you're not looking for it, if you're not straining towards it, it's not just going to fall on you. So press on. Press on for the prize. What's your next step? What's next for you? Go after him. Find people in your life. Go after him in prayer. Go after him in his word. Go after him in worship. Go after him through service. 
there is still more of Christ to take hold of. And it is a treasure worth obtaining. We're going to sing a song in a few minutes. And, and after we do, we're going to have one more baptism from...